0: You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association. OEA Grow is by educators for educators. Your host for season one is OEA member Jesse Bray. Welcome back to the OEA Grow podcast. My name is Jesse Bray, and I'm your season one host. And today we have Talia on to talk about compassion fatigue. Hi, Talia. You want to say hello?
1: Hi, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Could you just for like a second uh, give people you know a little background who you are and where you're coming from, so we can kind of when we lean into this subject?
1: Yeah, yeah I love it. So um, my name, like I said before, is Talia Akri. I right now currently work with um, MESD, the Multnomah Education Service District. Um, and for those of you who don't know, we cover every, um, everyone in Multnomah County in terms of um, special ed supports. Um, I currently work in two behavior schools that cater solely to special education students. And I'm the mental health therapist on staff. I, um, before MESD, worked for Northwest Regional ESD, which is the biggest one in the state. And I also worked in a behavior school there. And um I started out though doing social work in New York City um ten years ago and oh, uh moved is. back home to Portland. So I'm a Portland native girl. I went to Grant High School and um so I grew up here, came home uh to kinda of settle down and uh dig into my school social worker career, if you will. And um I just have yeah. I've always I've worked with a lot of staff as well as students on the issue of compassion fatigue and vicarious trauma. So I'm excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm very excited. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to talk about. First off, I mean, the work that you do is so meaningful to be Mm -hmm. there to be on the front lines of mental health and with, with children and with schools. I mean, this is a difficult, difficult time to be an educator because everyone realizes that you need that they need this i mean not everyone i know that's an assumption but i mean it's it's never more in my perception has, it, has mental health been more to the forefront and i could just only imagine how how much you're feeling the pressures of compassion fatigue could you for for just for the sake of de- um, definition could you describe what is compassion fatigue
1: Absolutely, and I would like to just say, as um, as someone who grew up in an education family with uh, teachers in my family, my mom was a teacher for years and years with Portland Public. Um, you know, we all are working as mental health facilitators in a lot of ways as educators, and so definitely as a. Um, specifically mental health therapist, there is a lot that I, you know, we take on, but at the same time, I'm trained to deal with that kind of stuff. And I think it's, um, it's really difficult for educators who are expected to fill certain roles that they are not prepared for. And then they fill these roles beautifully, but um, maybe they burn out a bit because they don't realize that uh, the detriment that it can take on them. So so compassion fatigue. So there's kind of three yeah. different words that we hear a lot when we're talking about this. Um, and uh, I think one of them is compassion fatigue. One of them is vicarious trauma. And one of them is burnout. And so we can have a conversation about what each of those mean. Compassion fatigue, though, would be that... Um, Kind of uh, when you get to that point where you just don't want to do the work anymore because you've given so much that you feel like you're a, you're a I always use the metaphor of like a wrung out rag, like you've just given and given and given. And the idea of getting up for work in the morning is exhausting to you. So um, I'm kind of using the symptomology here to describe what it is. But um, I think that's kind of the way that we viscerally connect with what this feels like. Sure. Right? So it's that feeling, um, yeah, of when you just every morning you're getting up and you're giving your students and you're giving, 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 and then you hit a certain point where you just can't do it anymore. And um, compassion fatigue is particularly, uh, uh, I don't know, labeled for the helping fields. So you could have someone who um, in many fields who would have compassion fatigue, but it's specifically when you're giving of yourself in a – um, helper manner. Um, so if you're, okay. a, if you're a trucker maybe and you're burnout from your job because you feel like you're tired of it and you have the same kind of fatigue and everything, that would be more like burnout and any um, occupation can have burnout. But for compassion fatigue, you really do need to be giving of yourself in, um, in a way that requires compassion and empathy and um, a part of you.
0: Okay, that, that that's a, that's an excellent definition. I, I think that's where it probably intersects the most with educators because, and, and this is, I know that we all have different experiences, but I really do believe that the quality educators are ones who put their compassion into the work that they do. I mean, to Absolutely. me, there's no yeah. no sadder tragedy to have a teacher who doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and if you're on the front lines, um, it, this, you know, it, just to, to tie this in, like, the first time I thought about burnout um, because, you know, when you're young, you just think you go, 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 go. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: I was working at an orphanage down in Mexico and we were taking care of like special needs children. And the experience down there was really, really great because you know, you're in another country and you know, you are giving of yourself, but this whole kind of the foreign atmosphere of it felt kind of like, you know, exhilarating. And even when you're with everybody, there's times that you are just burnt out that you're getting up at five o'clock in the morning and you're changing Mm -hmm. uh, diapers on an adult person who can't take care of themselves or something like that. And you're physically giving of your time and you have to care to do a good job. Um, And then being an educator, like there's a disconnect and um, so, yeah, I, I can, we, we all need that. But I talk to me about how does a person who has compassion fatigue, how do they regain their balance? How do they come back from that?
1: I think it's a, um, I think it's a really individual uh, question, right? Okay. So yeah. I think each of us has to approach it in our own way. For a lot of people, it really does mean taking a break from the field. Um, it depends mm-hmm. on kind of how far down the the journey you've you've gone, how down the far down the river. But um, I think for a lot of people, you got to take a break. And for a lot of us, you know, we joke about people hear us say that we have summers off and think that that's a big like pat on the back (laughs) or something and don't understand that if we didn't have those summers off, like I don't know if we could continue to do the job all the time, right? So, um, are I mean, they're absolutely necessary. So for some people, all it takes really is a summer, right? A couple months that you can go get out, stop thinking about your job, go camping or hiking or, um, you know, go on a crazy vacation or just huddle down in your home and garden or whatever it is that you need to do to kind of reset yourself. Um, for someone who has compassion fatigue, that kind of two month break or the month or the two week break at Christmas time or whatever that is probably is not, um, going to do it for you. And you're at a point that even when you get done with that long break, you still are just dreading going back to work. Um, And for that, you might need a longer break. You might need some rejuvenation and to go into something else that doesn't maybe pull you, um, in, in that emotional way for a long period of time, uh, and then come back later if you can. Right. So, um, some of, some of it really is like a refresher course you need in your life of just like giving yourself some air and some love and some self-compassion, um, for some people I'm, you know, I'm doing this mindfulness VLC with the OEA right now. And I think meditation and mindfulness can, can be something that, um, maybe doesn't pull you back from it, but can on a regular basis, it's almost like exercise for your mind and your heart. So when you're doing things like constantly giving yourself to your students, um, and we all know that 99% of us as educators are the people who are, getting calls on a Friday afternoon because something's going on with their kid and are willing to go help or give a family food or figure those things out too. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying like going above and beyond you're grading your papers at 10 o'clock at night and all these things that we do. Right. So if you're, if you're doing that, those kind of things on a regular basis, something like mindfulness um, practice and meditation can really help you kind of, um, I don't know, at least continue to um, go to work on a daily basis and function. Um, There's a great book by Laura Vandernoo Lipsky and it's called Trauma Stewardship. And she talks a lot about um, these concepts and talks about how we, um, she she references social workers because she's a social worker, but um, she also references a lot about teachers and paramedics and all these people who deal with um, Mm -hmm. compassion fatigue in this way. And she talks a lot about, the idea of um, balance in your life and learning how to make sure that when you're with your family, you're not thinking of school and you're really spending that time with your family and how, when you're doing something for yourself, you're really taking care of yourself and not thinking about your family or your work or when you're at work, you're not, you know what I mean? So like learning how to take care of yourself in those ways and balance. And then on a whole nother level, if you're dealing with something like vicarious trauma, which a lot of us therapists deal with, it's when you are hearing so many um, trauma stories on a daily basis that you actually start to experience the trauma. So my example from this is always, I um, originally went into working in sexual assault and domestic violence and um, in New York. And um, I think it was like, I don't know, three months into starting practicing therapy with women I didn't have any men on my case, so I would, of course men deal with sexual assault and domestic violence as well. But um, in my in mind, I only had women, and dealing with these women, I had been hearing their stories on a daily basis. And so I remember being in the subway one evening, and I had never really, you know, you're always aware of your surroundings um, in New York City, but I was never really scared. And I remember just being extremely hypervigilant. Like anytime I heard a sound, I would jump, and I was kind of, um, my heart was beating really. Hard when like a person came in walking into the subway and like how he was standing to me was real I was really aware of that and I remember thinking like oh Like this is what they mean by vicarious trauma like I'm actually taking yeah. on the trauma of my clients and feeling it from a different um, viewpoint, so uh, if someone's feeling themselves becoming hypervigilant, perseverating about different issues um, if they're finding they have insomnia and can't sleep or they're having like intrusive thoughts about things that their kids or students have been telling them or their parents a lot of times or will um, tell them stories, I know that a lot of people are very close to the parents in their classroom too, um, then that might be something that you do need to go see, seek some um, therapy and, and look for someone who can help you with that trauma response
0: wow well, i mean well thank you yeah that's i mean it's a lot to unpack but it's important yeah. because like you mentioned compassion uh, fatigue when you're on the front lines you're you take you take on those things i mean there's a lot of different i think ways that we can restore our balance and and i think mm-hmm. you know when you're right seeking mental health professional like i think it's very important i've i've had my own you know, string of uh, therapists over the years. And, and the thing mm-hmm. is, that it depends on the season I'm in. Um, I think that the stigma, there's a lot of negative st- stigma about it, but I yeah. think that the more we can dispel that, that it's it just as it's healthy, it's just as healthy as to take good care of your body. Um, you know, I, I've been turned on to this idea that, and I don't know if there's a secular term for it, but there's like the idea of taking a Sabbath, um, taking yeah. a day of rest um, is very important there's a lot of research around it, and I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but I'll tell you that, that I'm a go-go-go kind of person. And if I say one day a week, I'm going to do nothing. First, mm-hmm. it's so hard because I feel like I'm being idle. Feels like this, but but I find mm-hmm. that I, if I allow myself to rest to be present, my whole outlook changes. Uh, yeah, I, I, the anxiety melts away, and, and mm-hmm. it's not a perfect fix, but it's definitely, I think, that for those who to take that time to be present, to be intentional. Mm-hmm with their own mm-hmm. self care. I think that I, I, could, I could see that how that aligns with with what you're mentioning um, for advice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's then a great I, book I read. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, oh
1: go no, ahead. no. I just, um, I love yeah. that. And um, my okay. thought process on that though is uh, I don't know if you've heard that in New York and uh, um, I don't know if it's have, has gone outside of New York. I think it's just there. And actually you're, Your um, listeners can probably write in and tell me because I might be wrong. But um, a bunch of students got together and just passed, um, passed legislation in the state or somewhere that they made it so that in their school systems, parents can call in and say their kid is taking a mental health day. Have you heard of that? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's, so they no, can, that's so instead cool. of it being a sick day, they can take a mental health day. And I love that these students did this for themselves. And I think it's really important that we as educators and staff, and I know this is so hard, especially right now, but like, my goodness, because mm-hmm. as a parent, I'll tell you what, like my weekends are not restful. <laughs> I have a four year old and a one year old and I am on from five thirty in the morning until I go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, like on Um, and so it really is one of those things where if you're doing that every weekend and maybe you can't take a Sabbath day, which I think is so genius and brilliant and you should absolutely do that for yourself. Um, who was it that I always hear about? Gandhi, I think would always still take one day a week that he would, um, just rest and meditate and go inside. I think it's beautiful. With that said, like not all of us can do that. So, like if you can take a Wednesday every once in a while, maybe once a month, at once every two months even, and take that mental health day for yourself, and you know let yourself like let go of the guilt and just do what you need to do. Nap or watch really bad television. I'm going to be honest here yeah. and admit that I watch yeah. Real Housewives, and that's my thing. <laughs> my husband thinks I'm crazy. Um, or do what Uh, you need to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also really great for us to model these behaviors for our students, right? Because they're going through this trauma right now with us, um, which obviously exponentially makes everything harder. I think for us and for others, I know in my schools, we are understaffed and we're, it's hurting right now with all the trauma we're seeing. And on top of that, we don't really have the staff, um, that we need here. And then you know, we're trying to support each other, but it's hard sometimes because we can't always. I still think, even with understaffing, we. I'm happy when I see my coworkers take a day when they need it. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I know, well, the thing is, you know, I I have a six year old son, and he's got soccer, and you know, and he kicks in the door when he gets out of school. Like it doesn't matter that he gets <laughs> out of school, you know, three yeah. hours before my day is considered done. But uh, um, but that's what they, that's what kids do they they're a blessing but you know like that that's the thing when you you in my opinion that when you take the time to to focus on your own health your mental health you can give more you know you yeah. can give more cuz that that's i think that's probably the the direct like way i resonate with compassion fatigue is that it's important because you don't you can't give from an empty cup mm-hmm. you know you, you can't there's nothing in there there's nothing mm-hmm. in there and it requires you giving to, to be to be there with people it requires to give and yeah. on the other side, if I need something from someone and I come to them and their cup is empty, I know it. I know yeah. it. It's heartbreaking. So yeah. it it to me there's a certain professions that when if they are burnt out, the the tragic is double tragedy, you know. And I think like yeah. mental health professionals and educators are, are definitely folks that are in that. Mm-hmm. When they can't give and the people are asking for more or asking for something. It it it's a heartbreaking situation. So being well, mindful of that is important. But.
1: Absolutely, and uh, above and beyond that, um, I think something that we all see is school culture. For us, I know um, when a lot of people in a school are getting burnout or getting compassion fatigue, you start to notice that the entire kind of energy. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you that I'm a hippie right now, but um, I am from yeah, Oregon. So Me too. What are you gonna yeah, do? Yeah. There you go. So um, yeah. But that whole the whole energy of the school changes, right? And so you hear staff making a lot more kind of negative comments about the kids, um, uh, making kind of more underhanded, like frustrating um, comments and venting a lot, and um, and. What, who would blame anyone, especially for the work we do and how hard we work and how exhausted we are all the time? Right, like I get it, but yeah. it, you, I think <laughs> we all know the difference in coming to school and kind of being like, "Ugh, I'm having such a hard time with this student versus that student." You know, I, you hear things around the school uh, that that kids never going to make it or whatever those negative oh, comments, my goodness, be, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Um, I think it really does have an effect on school culture and how and it and it's pervasive that um, if I am saying those things a lot to my coworkers and they might start feeling that a lot and getting weighed down and it becomes uh, infectious in a, in a crazy way and so what you're talking about is spot on I just think it's it's so important that we take care of ourselves um, we always use that, uh, that metaphor of the the, the, um, when you're on the airplane and the breath thing comes down from mm-hmm. the roof of the airplane and you got to put it on yourself first, oh, yeah. right? So.
0: Yeah. yeah, Being a lifeguard. Yeah. Well, I remember I grew up in summers as a lifeguard. You get, even if that person is flailing, sometimes you got to like, they'll they'll tell you, i never had the opportunity, but you have to knock them out and then then you can save them. But you're right. You (laughs) need to take a moment to save yourself. Like that's, I don't know if people know that, but that's everybody. Jesse is not
1: telling you to knock out your coworkers. Uh, I'm not telling you to knock out out your coworkers. No, (laughs) I'm just telling you
0: when you train to be a lifeguard at a camp,
1: yeah. And okay. you get you
0: your CPR certification. They tell you, <laughs> "Hey, if this person's drowning, but they're flailing and they're fighting you, yeah. this person can drown you too."
1: Yeah. Um, but
0: like, there's a thing called emotional contagion. You know, if we are sourpusses, we're going, you know, that's gonna that's gonna reflect on other folks. Um, yeah. And that's that that's the that's the other part. A book I want to recommend for those who are interested um, is called Ambiguous Loss. Uh, so just Google it, look it up. It's a great book. It talks about compassion fatigue, and it's it's very you know it's very scientific. It's, it follows the normal like you know APA standards and stuff like that. But it, it goes through scenarios about ambiguous loss and compassion fatigue, and uh, I, I I found it as to be a clear eye opener about the vocabulary for how I was feeling. You know, like why why am I feeling you know like this way when I I know I love what I do, but why do I have nothing to give? Um, and so, Natalia, thank you so much. I, before we go, I would just love to hear one last little thought on, on, you know, dealing with compassion, uh, fatigue and burnout, and then we can, course. yeah,
1: I, I think I would love to just comment on something you said too, about the idea that, um, when I'm saying, uh, people who give, I'm not just talking about as our occupations either, right? Like when we think about mm-hmm. caregivers and people who take care of their loved ones and, I know that I'm a mom, so I'm, I'm feeling yeah, of it you know, as, as a, someone who just constantly is taking care of others, right? And you as a dad, and you maybe as a partner—I don't know. Uh, like, but we we have compassion fatigue in other areas of our life too. So I know I just want people to realize that, like, um, we come into our work as educators as whole people, and I think sometimes we think that we're supposed to drop every single part of ourselves off at the door so that we can completely, um, work for our students. But I think it's important for our students to see that we all, we are whole people. And, um, you know, it is difficult sometimes we do need to take breaks and maybe doing a mindful minute with your students also, or, um, doing yeah. those things that can take care of yourself as a human being first. Um, just like you were saying, so that we can help others in turn, right?
0: Yeah. Thank absolutely. you so much for
1: having me, Jesse. I love
0: being yeah, here. Thank you, J. It's great. It's great chatting with you. And I just hope you're doing well and thank you everyone for listening. Um, yeah, we will be leaving resources below for where you can find more about this uh, subject of compassion fatigue and know that you're not alone. Thank you. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit our webpage at grow.oregoned.org.